Walk in the light so the darkness cannot claim you. Those who walk in darkness can't see. Put your trust in the light while the days are getting shorter. Then you'll become children of the light. Well, hello, everybody. I'm John. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Principal Thing. Welcome back. As you know, we have been walking through our pastor's sermon series. Last week, we started with Revelation chapter 2. Pastor Mark was talking about how we can be the church. And from the church at Ephesus, we talked about how we can be loving. This week, Pastor Mark talked about the church at Smyrna, the uh, the biblical text was Revelation chapter two verses eight through eleven, and what we were looking at in in Smyrna was how to be long suffering. So, Brandon, uh, just kind of start us off. Explain a little bit about what long suffering is, maybe, and then you know we'll we'll jump into what we can do and how what that looks like for us. Yeah, when I think about long suffering, I think about um, the the word perseverance persevering kind of comes to mind um like there's there's like this i guess in the root sense of the word there's like this suffering that happens over time and you have to really endure it and that's kind of where where we come to with the church at smyrna uh mark you know kind of went into contextually uh well really historically the city of Smyrna itself and kind of the different things. And we can talk about that um, after a while, but the crux of it was, you know, that this was a church under immense persecution. And so there was a lot of pressure, intensity, long suffering. They had to be long suffering in that way. They had to keep going. Yeah. They had to, they had to keep doing what they were doing. Endure it. Right. Absolutely. And I love, I love that pastor Mark pointed out that uh, the Bible specifically explicitly tells us things are going to get worse yeah and worse and worse and here you have this example in the church at Smyrna where things have gotten worse and things are just about for a lot of these uh, Smyrna and Christians they're just about as bad as they can be and Jesus is saying to them just stick it out yeah just Stay the course. You know, how does, uh, you know, Pastor Mark was talking about Smyrna and the city having, you know, temples to all the gods, but they were most known for having a temple dedicated to the emperor himself, Caesar. And, um, you know, for the church, which was kind of growing in that area, it was really hard. Um, it was hard in the in terms of persecution. It was real because the majority of people there were worshiping the emperor and then all these other gods. So there really wasn't room for uh, the the one true God being Jesus Christ. And so uh, they really were facing, um, you know, just uh, ridicule from their family, friends, but also from, you know, the magistrates of the city and and the, the priests, the temple priests and all this, you know, they were really fighting this. Um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily have temples to um, different, like, gods in the polytheistic sense uh today maybe i don't know um how would you how would you say that we relate to the city of smyrna neat you threw this one back to me i did i threw it right back at you okay 
Here you well, go, John. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it then. Here are things that I see, and sometimes some of these things are things that I see culturally. Some of these things are things that I see personally. Okay, so in terms of culturally, um, last week we talked about uh, that we are recording in 2020, that it is an election year. We talked about how uh, for us to truly love someone, what that might mean is loving someone across the political aisle. Yeah. Knowing them and accepting them, even when they think differently than we do. Okay. well, this week, let's let's take a look at ourselves and and let's what 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 we see here is we have a in in our culture a portion of the evangelical church yeah that really seems smitten with politics in general and certain personalities in particular yeah Oh yeah, and yeah, and, and so so in our culture we have this we we have and and this is not just this is not just on the ground people this is not just people in the church these are these are uh, we we see this from from leaders in the I'm going to say air quotes evangelical movement okay? right that means a lot of things today it, <laughs> it's hard it, to distinguish it, it does but but yeah let's just I mean let's break it down for us. People that we have in the last thirty-five years, mm-hmm. men and and women who have written devotional books, or written Christian living books, or started companies, or been uh, pastors of large churches, we're watching them tell us this is somebody that we should follow, and some of us are blindly doing that. Yeah, and. And so it's not just that that again air quotes regular Christians are idolizing these political figures but we see it even in some of our church leaders our Christian leadership yeah they're idolizing and following and and I I'm not here to tell anybody how to vote or who to who to follow or and, except to tell you to follow Jesus but I am saying that what we see is not always a devotion to who we should be devoted to, right? Yeah. So, so that's a cultural thing, right? Okay. So, in my own life, you're you're asking, you know, how how do we see this this idol worship in our own lives, or or just what what do we how do we uh, how how do we identify with the Smyrna Christians? Okay. Well, the Smyrna Christians were poor. They were afflicted. That yeah. is, they were going through intense persecution. And while I can't say that I have been afflicted necessarily in my life, mm-hmm. and I can't even say because I'm an American citizen that I have been poor, I can say that I have had my eyes fixed on the wrong things. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So here you have these Smyrna Christians, and in Revelation 2, verse 9, I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. Jesus in that verse is he he is encouraging the Smyrna Christians to remember where their riches really are. Yeah. And that is something that because uh we are 
in a lot of ways sometimes in America because we're cultural Christians, especially in the American South, you know, where where the the church and going to church is just part of what you do. Um, sometimes we have a tendency, sometimes I have had a tendency in the past, sometimes I still have a tendency to look to the wrong things as my treasure. Yeah. You know, to focus on the wrong things. So here Jesus says in, in verse nine, he says, hey, I know that you're poor. I know that you're afflicted, persecuted. You're you're going through trials and tribulations. I, I see all of that. But remember, remember that you're rich. So in terms of the historical context, this emperor worship, we see a political worship these days, sure. even even from people that we would not expect to see it from necessarily yeah. even from people sometimes who don't realize that that's what they're doing because i would i would say that a lot of christians today that are worshiping in a political arena don't recognize that that's what they're doing well it's you know it's it is confusing because you know we look at people who have uh these political heroes or whatever you know they're really pushing and they it, it's almost like we're um we're mixing or mashing together i think in an unhealthy way uh morality versus righteousness or you know christ-centered living 100 percent. we want um, to and we want to legislate that righteousness that christ-centered living and call it morality and then make everybody do yeah, it because x person campaigned this that means they must have christian values in mind but that's not necessarily true morality in and of itself is not christianity um, but if we are as christians living and obeying the word of god yes our moral standards will be high but it's only as a result of our righteous living with god and and what 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 God did not say to the Smyrna church was stop all of the emperor worship stop all of the polytheism he didn't say go out and go out and stop all of that stuff and and change change the government right god said or, or jesus in in this context jesus said to them be faithful where you are yeah uh, you know, don't be afraid of what's happening. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Just be faithful where you are. And with what you have. Right. I mean, yes. you know, we sometimes, it's almost like we diminish the gospel, but the gospel is the most important thing that we have. I mean, it is in our, in, in the most biblical sense, it is the greatest treasure we could ever have. And we oftentimes overlook it or, um, we underestimate it, right? You know, we're like, oh, we have to make this super complicated and pretty and beautiful in order to reach people and change the world. But Jesus said, it's like a treasure that a guy finds in a field. He buries it back. He goes and he sells everything yeah. he has. And then he goes and he has this treasure. Now, this is not Jesus saying, go sell all your stuff and just have me. But this is Jesus saying, I am enough. He's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I agree uh, 100%. You know, not we don't necessarily have emperor worship, but we do, in a sense, worship politics uh, when we get heavily involved. And we think that that is the answer. That's right, the right, problem. Right. When, we, when we usurp politics as the answer over 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's where I think we we really we struggle. And I don't I, I want to hesitate to throw any specific anybody under any sort of bus here. I just think this is a a problem that all of us have. Yeah, sure. We we don't truly understand what worship is. Worship Tim Tim Keller says that we worship the thing that we set our heart on. Mm. So whatever it is that is the most important to you, you are going to worship. Right. Okay. So if the thing that's the most important to you is keeping a political candidate in a uh, specific office, or if it's putting a political candidate into an office, you're going to chase after that and you're going to worship it. If the thing that is the most important to you is NASCAR, (laughs) you're going to chase that and you're going to worship it. If the thing that is most important to you is your spouse, you're going to chase that and you're going to worship it. I don't want anybody to mishear or misunderstand and think that I just hate politics and that I just am only like calling out people who who are politically involved because that's not it. It is anything that we chase after that is not Jesus. We are worshiping that thing because worship is not just singing on Sunday morning. Worship is a way that we live our lives. Yes. Preaching is worship. Yes. Uh, Giving is worship. Um, yes, singing is worship, but lifting hands, the, the postures we use when we um, are in the presence of God is an act of worship. I mean, I mean dancing. I, look, look, walking down the street is an act of worship sure. if you are doing it for the glory of God. Yeah. The things that we do are all centered around worship. Even even people who are not Christians, the things that they do are centered around worship because man is made to worship and we're going to worship something. Right. And so like in our text, we see that in Smyrna, men were worshiping something. Right. You had emperor worship, you had polytheism, and then you had this church. And the church was about to, Jesus said, I'm, you're, you're about to be tested yeah. and it's going to be intense. And he said, you just need to stick it out. You need to not be afraid. And I like what Pastor Mark said. He said, there are there are two things that we don't need to be afraid of. We don't need to be afraid of life. Yeah. And we don't need to be afraid of death. So let's let's just take a minute, you know, and kind of break that down. What are some ways that maybe you or I uh, can be afraid of life? Uh, and, and, and what does Jesus say to that? Like, how can we not be that instead? So honestly, for me, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very like transparent with this, but throughout my life, I've actually struggled with anxiety. Um, and I have a tendency to want to be in control over everything. It's, it's really, and I'll, I mean, again, honesty, it's really why I hate airplanes. I hate riding in them. And the sole reason is it's not even about the altitude. Yes, that bothers me. But the most, I, I guess the the biggest reason why I get so anxious about flying is because I have zero control once I get in that aircraft over taking off the destination I can't escape from it at any point in time until we get to a landing. There is no control that I have over the start, middle, and end of that journey. 
Right. No, I totally understand that. I, I do. I also do not like to fly. <laughs> um, now I will not like to fly for a whole host of new reasons. So I'm thank sorry. you for that. I'm sorry. And, and I hope I didn't stir up some anxious flare in the listener. But um, but that's just me. I mean, there are several things that really make me anxious. I mean, there's something else like not being able to control all circumstances when I'm working on a project or, you know, when I'm working on a lot of things at one time, I just want to make sure that it's done well. And sometimes it can cause me to have an unhealthy, anxious tendency or fear. You were that kid in school who, when there was a group project, you just told everybody to give it all to you and you'd take care of it and everybody would get an A, weren't you? Well, I wasn't as studious back then. Um, Okay. Okay. And maybe I wasn't as anxious as a kid because I really... Uh, I didn't put forth my best effort, but um, but yes, later on, uh, I guess in high school and college, I did hate group projects because I just didn't know if I could count. They were out of my control, outside right. of my control. I couldn't hover over them in their house uh, every second, making sure that it was getting done. So Do your yeah. stuff. That's the yeah. wrong answer. That's the wrong just, thing. Don't do that. You're going to get us a bad grade. So anyway, I told um, you to use a different font. Exactly. No, that yeah, that's totally me. But it's really the uh, the fear of life that I've had in my life is because of the lack of control that I have, and the Lord has really worked on me a great deal, um, even in the past couple of weeks. You know, really with uh, and we've talked about some of these things over the pandemic when the church wasn't meeting and we were trying to to find out, you know what are we even doing with our lives? And, you know, I felt like we were a little bit out of control of things, the trajectory of our church. um, And then the Lord brought Mark in and it's just, you know, it's been different. And now it's a different kind of like, you know, now we have a lot of things in the pipeline and we're trying to make sure it's all fundamentally, you know, complete. Mm -hmm. And it's just, Sometimes things can feel out of control, and that's when that's when the Lord really is trying to teach me that in my weakness, uh, His power is perfected. Yeah, yeah. And um, and for me, I, I I have to continually remind myself of that. Um, the Holy Spirit reminds me of that constantly. Um, but I guess as far as life, that's really that's been my struggle. Right. And I understand that. Mine's a little bit different. I have uh, always been afraid. And Mark really, like, hammered me on this this week, okay? Uh, The approval of man. Like, I have always, always craved it. I've wanted it. And this is not to say that, like, my parents didn't love me enough or whatever. But uh, I am the oldest child, and there are five of us. So I took it upon myself at an early age to just, you know, be in charge. Mm. Nobody like gave that to me. I just assumed the position. Okay. Uh, but, but in that I was looking for my parents to, you know, give me the attaboys. And I really, I, I thrive on affirmation. Like that's just what I want. But because I thrive on affirmation, criticism crushes my spirit. Yeah. Just Absolutely. It, it's it's very difficult for me to hear and process and move forward. And this is something that 
God has been working on me for a long time. He's been, he's been ironing me out and wrinkling me back up and ironing me out again so that I will, I will be what he wants me to be. Right. Uh, So, so in the midst of all of this, you know, we have, we, we now work at a church and the beautiful thing about a church is that it is a body full of diverse people who all think differently, who all have different opinions. And then God puts me in this leadership position and goes, everybody's not going to agree with you all the time. And some of them are going to be very vocal about it. And your job is to love them anyway. Yeah. And so like that has been my fear in life is that I'm going to let somebody down or I'm going to make somebody mad or somebody's going to just not like me. You remember that sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond? Yeah. Right. Okay. So like I'm Raymond in every episode, like he's just trying to make everyone happy all of the time. Sure. And he's constantly failing. And that's kind of how I have been for a long time. I just, I, I, I want you to like me. And so, and I, I try very hard not to be a people pleaser, but I think that sometimes for past, for, for pastors in general, being a people, not being a people pleaser is very difficult because there are a lot of people who want your attention and they want you to, to please them. And honestly, that's not even our job. Our job is to come and to share the word and to minister and, and equip them right. and to please God. Yeah. And it, the, the thing about the thing about it though, is God's affirmation is usually a lot quieter because it's in scripture and sometimes you got to seek it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has been, I mean, and Mark talked about it. Mark talked about it when he was talking about, uh, he was talking about the fundamentals. He asked, are we af- more afraid of people and acceptance than we are of the Lord and his holiness? And I'm going to be just again, like you, you said, I'm going to be transparent. Yes. Sometimes I am more afraid of people and acceptance than I am of the Lord and his holiness. Well, and I love that. You just mentioned uh, what he said about fundamentals. You know, we, uh, you know, when we fear man more than God, we're actually undermining the promises that God has for us in His Word. Um, essentially, we're you know we're making excuses for why you know we're not following His Word. And going back to um, being fearless of life and death. Mark said in Revelation <laughs> chapter 2, verse 10, be faithful even unto death. In Psalm 31, 15, um, he says, my time is in your hands, uh, meaning God knows the, the number of our days. Our days are numbered. And then he said, um, he goes back to verse 8 in Revelation chapter 2, um, saying that we, we don't have to fear because we know who our Savior is. Um, Jesus was dead and he came back to life, showing that he has the power over life and death. And we can trust, we can trust him. We can trust in that. I really, I was so excited that that's where Mark went with, with us not having to be afraid of death, because I feel like we need a constant reminder that Jesus is one of us. He's not exactly the same as us, but he has experienced what we experience. He knows what we're walking through. I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, that Jared C. Wilson is on, 
it's called the art of pastoring and and basically it, it Jared C Wilson is talking about these things that you go through uh, anxiety or um, uh, discouragement things that pastors walk through that they maybe don't share all the time with their congregation with their members and one of the things that he mentioned and it has just really stuck with me we need to first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says pray continually Pray constantly. Yeah. Always be in prayer. Those are three different translations of that one verse. Okay. So so we're supposed to be praying all the time. But the the idea is not obviously to have your eyes closed and your head bowed and doing all this stuff. Jared C. Wilson, he broke it down and he said, We need to remember that that Jesus is an older brother. Jesus is a friend who we bring this stuff to and we talk to when we're discouraged or when we're anxious or when we're afraid. So Mark just reinforced that for me this week. He was like, we, this, is, this is a man, a God man, yes, but a man who has been through all of these things, who understands what you're afraid of and defeated what you're afraid of. Yeah. So now, because you've been adopted into this family, he's not just a man who's done all that. He's an older brother. And I think about the relationship that I have with my younger brother. Mm. We are 11 years apart, he and I. Um, but we are probably of all the siblings that I have, it's me, three girls, and then him. So he and I are definitely in terms of the relationships that I have the closest. Um, there are times he is also in ministry. Mm. There are times when he comes to me and he asks me questions about ministry because I have been there already. Sure. I have I've walked through that. Now I can't answer it and tell him exactly what to do, but I can tell him what I went through and how I felt. The the and that's just a shadow of what Jesus can do because Jesus can tell you what he went through, how he felt, and what you should do. And he does that through his word, through scripture. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 73, uh, 26, I believe, uh, where it says my heart and my flesh may fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart and yeah. my portion forever. So even though we are weak, again, the Lord is strong. He He makes us strong. He's been there. He knows how to help us, and He wants to help us. He wants to be the strength of our heart. And it's something that we have to remember, something that it is, it's, it's so relevant. It's something that we need to meditate on every day especially now in 2020 when covid is everywhere we've got people in power who are fearful we've got people in power who aren't fearful we have people in the medical field who are fearful and people in the medical field who aren't fearful and yeah. and i i love that what mark said again if if covid in 2020 has taught us anything it's that sometimes science doesn't know yeah i mean we have we have an entire subculture in the United States that worships science because yeah. because it's testable and quantifiable and God is just not and that is okay if you want to serve a quantifiable God that's fine if he fits in your box but I don't want to um, and I, I don't think that if you can quantify it it certainly is not uh, worthy of being worshipped but I agree but what so, so we, we live in this time when some people are fearful and some people are not, but, but what, 
what Mark has a question, and I wrote this down. Do we remember or do we believe that dying is actually gain? Yeah. Okay, so so this past Sunday, the, the same Sunday that Mark preached this message, we had um, a homegoing celebration for Sam Bishop. Sam passed away. Sam Bishop passed away last week, and we had a homegoing celebration for him. And I will tell you, there was some grief, but man, Sam Bishop, a man who had spina bifida his entire life, a man who never walked on this earth, who was in a chair, uh, yeah. but but in 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 that in that wheelchair still served Jesus joyfully, still loved people with the love of Jesus. For him, I, I mean, dying was one hundred percent gain. We talked sure. about it over and over at at this homegoing service, at this celebration, all of the great things that he was experiencing now in heaven. Yeah, and it was just a reminder that. This is not our home. And then to to Mark's sermon, this is this is not our home. To live is Christ, yes. And we need to live Christ. But to die is gain. I mean it's even I I think about that line from Hook. Uh Hook Captain Hook says to several people throughout the course of the movie death is the only great adventure that he has left but but pan at the end he says to live will be a great adventure well i think about dying is gain but if we die here we actually start to really live yeah you know like this this is just shadows and vapors and that is where it's at right and i think it you know you were talking about sam and, and when i think about Sam and and I think about you know the words that you said um, talking about you know Jesus said let the children come to me and he talked to his disciples and said I tell you unless you are like these children unless you have the faith like these children then you will not inherit the kingdom of God because it's simple faith mm-hmm. to plunge me to victory it's not this complex convoluted belief in science or the inner workings of the universe it is simple faith and trust in the lord jesus christ the work the person and the work of jesus christ on the cross in burial and in resurrection and and just that simple faith is what takes us to that glorious day and sam knew that because you know i've heard uh just from the past week of how um his mom would say you know, Sam was ready. He he kept saying, I, I just want to go be with Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to go home. It's simple faith was the story of Sam's life. And that should be the story of our lives. Well, let me ask you a question kind of in line with that. Okay. So we we talk about how dying is gain. And we talk about like here in, in Job chapter 14 and verse five, since a day's persons are determined and the number of his months depends on you. This is Job talking to God about God. And since you have set limits, he cannot pass. Job, Job says, you know, you are in charge, God, you have. And, and pastor Mark talked about that, how our, our days are numbered. We might be able to improve quality of life, but we cannot improve quantity of life. Hmm. And, and that made me think, and I wrote this down, you know, um, 
I wrote down, are we more afraid oftentimes, especially now, than we are faithful? And has the fear turned our belief or, or, or not belief, but, but our statement in the sovereignty of God into just intellectual and theological lip service? Yeah. Like, do we say God is sovereign? I mean, okay, not we. Let's, let's make this personal. Do I say God is sovereign, but then live like he's not? Very often I do, right? Yeah. Uh, very often I say, well, I know that God is sovereign, but something's coming and I wring my hands and I worry about it, you know, and, and, and I, I, I just act as though the, the, the weight of the world sits on my shoulders. And how prideful and arrogant of me to assume that. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, has, has this idea of the sovereignty of God, at least in the West, has it become just lip service? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question for all of us to ask ourselves. And, you know, I'll go back to, and thanks for calling me pride and arrogant, by the way. I know you're that's, talking about yourself. That is not what I said. But no, no, no. I I 100% agree with you because, you know, when I talked um, earlier about uh, just kind of my fear of life and the anxiety and the lack of control, um, you know, me trying to usurp my own control over my life and my destiny and my quantity of days, even though it's futile. Right. Um, at some point I have to come to the realization either God is in control of everything or he's not in control of anything. That is simple faith. Right. Saying that God is in fact control over every single aspect of not only my life, but every single life in existence in the past, present and future until the sun is dark and the moon goes out and stars start falling from the heavens. And then Jesus comes back riding on a cloud um, with lightning flashing from the east to west. I mean, it's it's in, it's in the worldly sense, insane. The insanity of God is what was that book? Uh, Nick Ripken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but again, simple faith to plunge me. That's what he's asking for. Simple Faith. But if you think about it, and if we really truly latch on to this idea that God is sovereign and God's in control, then that takes care of the fearlessness. Yeah. Like all of a sudden we can be fearless. Right. Why can we be fearless? It's 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 the that picture of a kid uh, who is afraid of a heavy thunderstorm mm-hmm. and mom or dad comes in to the bedroom and you know climbs onto the bed with the kid and just holds a kid and the the kid's not scared anymore why are they not scared like mom and dad can't really do anything about the thunderstorm but it's just their presence and and this kid's faith in their parent okay well here we have god the parent and us the adopted child and we're afraid of quite literally everything (laughs) and and he is actually in control of quite literally everything. everything yeah. Right. So now we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of election results. We don't have to be afraid of airlines. We don't have to be afraid of people's opinions of us. We don't have to be afraid of any of this stuff. And we can be faithful because we know that he's in control. So when the trials come, when the affliction happens, mm. 
we can remain faithful because we know that God is in control and we can keep these fundamentals. I love what Pastor Mark said. He said, don't just hear the word, do what it says. That's the fundamentals. Yeah. So what are our fundamentals? We go back to, uh, with with in kids ministry, we go back to the fundamentals or the, the two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's hearing the word. That's doing the word. Yeah, I love exactly, you know, when Mark literally concluded he said you know are we going to hear the word of god believe the word of god and live the word of god and you know it's kind of funny because that's exactly what dr mikey said when he was here all the time hear hear the word believe the word live the word yeah and that's Mm -hmm. that's it trust and obey i mean like um and i could for there's no other way i might as well finish that out to To be be happy in jesus Jesus. (laughs) than to trust and obey but it's it's true and we make it so complicated i'm the the most, I'm, I'm the guiltiest of all when it comes to complicating or overcomplicating things, um, and I have a tendency to do that with the gospel as well. But, um, but we don't. We just we need to trust and obey. One hundred percent, absolutely. Uh, so, what about you, listener? Uh, do you do you read it? Do you believe it? Do you live it? Because God's word is the principal thing. And I mean, that's what we got to do. We got to hear it. We got to do it. All right, listener, thank you so much for hanging with us as we walked through this today or whatever day you're listening. I guess whatever day you're listening, it is today. Today. (laughs) All right. Once again, I'm John. And I'm Brandon. And this has been The Principal Thing. Take care, everybody. Walk in the light. So the darkness cannot claim you Those who walk in darkness can't see Put your trust in the light While the days are getting shorter Then you'll become children of the light